everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Orange and White Podcast. I'm Dan Hope, joined as always by Brad Senkiv and Brandon Rink. Uh, Clemson football this week going to Wake Forest, but we got to talk about last week because for the first time this year, we're talking to you after a Clemson loss. Clemson defeated by Pittsburgh last week, uh, now 9-1 and one of the season. Clemson still in position to potentially make the college football playoff in position to accomplish all of its goals. But, nonetheless, a lot of concerns uh, arisen by last week's game. Clemson gave up a season-high 43 points. And while their offense set some records, uh, 580 passing yards for most in school history, they they weren't consistently able to finish off the game. Uh, Struggles in the red zone, weren't able to convert a fourth and one with a game online, and it ended up costing them the game. Brad, what are the biggest things that concerned you about Clemson from, from watching that game Saturday? Well, you know, if somebody had told me Deshaun Watson with over 580 yards and 52 completions, I would tell you Clemson would never lose again. Uh, but they lost, even with those ridiculous numbers. Um, and, you know, Dabo Sweeney said this week that it doesn't matter how you get the yards. 630 total yards is 630 total yards. However, that's not necessarily true when you look at the fact that Clemson went for it uh, on third and fourth down to pick up one yard, ran the ball both times, and couldn't do it. And I think it goes back to a run game that doesn't have the same confidence, the same efficiency, the same power that it had this time last year. I think, you know, can Clemson win out and possibly win a national title with the way this running game is going? We've talked about it in depth a couple weeks ago. I don't think so, and I think that was evident in that game. If they could run the football, I don't think Clemson's throwing the ball second down at the five-yard line. You wouldn't think so. When Deshaun Watson throws that pick. And who would have thought that they would have needed 631 yards to beat Pittsburgh? 630 was, was just not enough. But, you know, it was some of the same issues, you know, with the, with the running game and the turnovers. You know, not being able to run the ball, you have a couple of red zone turnovers again, and there's only so many times – you can go to you know that extent and come out with a win. It, it's kind of a weird game to talk about with Deshaun Watson because, I mean, he obliterated Clemson's school records for, for passing yards. He broke the ACC record for passing yards. Yet, when the game's over, the one play everyone was talking about was that interception at the five-yard line. What do you make of a game like that for Deshaun? I mean, is it impressive what he did, or are there still a lot of concerns about how much he's turned the ball over? Yeah, I mean, there are concerns, but he's, as Jeff Scott pointed out, he's throwing the ball a whole lot more. And if you throw the ball more, your odds for picks go up. I think it's the fact that it's almost like the point where he's just relying solely on the pass. He's not running the football like he did. And he's you know got that that bum shoulder right now. It's bruised. Obviously, he can throw the football with it. I'm not sure he can run with it. Um, I think the turnovers will you know they are what they are now. I mean, I think in a lot of ways this is just how Clemson's going to have to play. If they're going to just tell Deshaun you got to go win with your arm, they're going to put up with some interceptions. I don't think he's just going to magically start throwing better because I think a lot of these are on him. I think they're they're forced throws. Yeah. Um, even the coaches said he, they teach him to throw the ball out of the back of the end zone on that. Uh, goal line play when he rolls out to that bootleg. He didn't do it. He tried to fit it in a window that just was not there. Um, he thought he had Hunter Renfro open, and then Jordan Leggett comes underneath, runs too deep into the end zone, and he thought the uh, defender was going to sink back, and he didn't. So 
Um, that's what I guess what kind of happens when you when you're a quarterback who has so much talent that you almost rely too much. I think sometimes on that arm and not getting the ball to other players. So I don't think things are going to just magically improve for Clemson in that category. And we've already talked about this season just the idea that Deshaun's probably calling out of some run plays, and then you know, Davo said something like up to thirty. I think Jeff Scott knocked the number down to like somewhere 22, in the twenties. Yeah. So you know, we wonder. What I've been wondering is his trust level in the run game, and apparently it wasn't there. And then with you know two opportunities to get one yard, I think that's that was you know with all the turnovers and all the issues they had. They were one yard away from clinching that game. But I think they could have thrown the ball, and Deshaun could have closed his eyes and completed a, a pass for one yard. Yeah. I mean, he was on fire. I just don't understand. I mean, on third down, I'm throwing the ball right there. Yeah. I don't I don't understand why they thought that was the time to go to Wayne Gallman. I, I think it just comes down to the kind of the old school mentality. You know, Dabo, you know, there's one yard, you're going to run to get that yard. And I think they were just, you know, no matter – what chances they had in getting it, they were gonna they were gonna run it no matter what. But I, it I doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any no. sense when when you're talking about the flow of a game. And no. he said that that was part of their game plan. That that run was in their game plan. I think by the fourth quarter, I'm scrapping <laughs> that out of my game plan, and my quarterback's already thrown the ball seventy times. It's like you said before, Brad. Uh, what's the identity of this Clemson yeah. football team? It was obvious on Saturday that the identity of this Clemson football team was passing the ball. When you go away from what your identity is on the most important play of a game, it, it might come back to bite you. And Well, the, the odds on that play is just funny to me because it's fourth down, you're bringing in that big that jumbo package, and the jungle, jumbo package has worked every single time up to that point. At some point, it's got to fail. At some point, a toss sweep is probably not your best odds to get a first down too. And well, well I, that's what. I, I think part of the problem there, too, is Pitt knows Deshaun's not going to run the ball there. There's mm-hmm. not going to be a zone read. He's going to hand the ball off to Gallman. There's no question about it. It just makes it easier to zero in on one player than have to worry if Deshaun's going to pull it and go. Um, but you know what? They love the passing game now, close. They absolutely love it. And to the point where, you know, if I'm Wayne Gallman, I'm not happy. <laughs> I would not be... Um, you know, just doing whatever for my team mentality, like these guys say all the time. I'd be, I'd be pretty upset. I think they felt they've got so many weapons and they're so effective. It's not about making people happy. It's just, what do you do when you got Mike Williams and Artavis Scott and Deion Kane and Ray Ray McLeod and Hunter Renfro? You get them the football. They're all really talented players. And I think, like you said, Dan, the identity is not the run game anymore. So my question is, what really is it? Because Dabo says this is a run-heavy offense, but we're not seeing it. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 you would have thought they wanted to be a run-heavy offense, but we just haven't seen it all year. I mean, it, it just doesn't look like they've been confident in that run game at any point this year. The, the offensive line hasn't gotten the same kind of push that it got last year, and they just, you know, when they, when they needed to win a game, they they only went to it in that situation. If they were a true run heavy team, they're not going to be passing the ball at the three yard line on a second and goal in the red zone. Well, I mean, for better or worse, it's it's not just a run. It's a not a run offense. It's not a pass offense. It's Deshaun's offense. It's whatever yeah. Deshaun wants this offense to be, and this is what he wants it to be up to this point. Yeah, I I, I think you're probably right. Um, we people want to hammer the play calling, but people don't understand how many times the play is checked out of and go to a different one. You're right. I think 
in a lot of ways, they've just said, all right, they're going to live and die with Deshaun and whatever he's going to do. Uh, what about the defensive side of the ball? Man, there were some obvious issues in that game against Pitt. Um, they played horrible in the first half. I, I think it's one of the worst first halves in the Brent Venables era at Clemson. I mean, they were just getting decimated with the tight end, the shovel pass, all that. Is is this a sign of things to come? Is this what the defense really is, or have they been just living on borrowed time? What do you think? Well, it's like you said. If, typically, if you get 630 yards of offense, 42 points, that's going to be enough to win the game. But the problem is they gave up 43 in this game, and they, like you said, I mean, the first half, they just had no answer. I mean, it, it, Pittsburgh just kept moving the ball. They were finding creative ways to get the ball to their tight ends and their running backs, and, and Clemson just looked like they had no answer for it. But, you know, the second half, they did get better. They did start to make some stops, but when the game was on the line, they, they weren't able to make those stops. And I, I think there's a lot of similarities to last year where we started out the year last year saying, oh, how are they going to replace all these key players they lost from last year? And they started out the year and they were really strong. They looked really good. Been in the second half of the season, it, it, both times it kind of started with that NC State game. They seem to start to fade. They seem to start to give up more big plays. And maybe that won't continue all the way through the end of the season this year like it did last year. But it does seem like the past three or four games, this team started to go in the wrong direction on defense. They've started to give up more plays. I don't know if the playbook's out there now for teams to look on film and realize their weaknesses. I think there's been a clear weakness for this team with stopping passes that aren't to wide receivers, whether it be to tight ends or to backs out of the backfield. And I think Clemson's got to figure out how to ex- gap up some of those weaknesses. You know, I mean, if the defensive line's been a strong point. It wasn't on Saturday. Pittsburgh's offensive line won that battle, and they lost that advantage. And then I think their linebackers and safeties have, have had some trouble with coverage, and they're going to have to get stronger in that area down the stretch. But these issues are different than last year's, what they're going yeah. through right now. I, I think it's, like you said, it's covering those guys. It's They're exposing Ben Bolwer in a way he was only exposed a couple of times last year. Now things are getting him out more. What do you do with Bolwer? I mean, <laughs> do, you, do you take him off the field? Uh, man, I don't know. I, I think it's it's a really interesting dilemma for Venables because your scheme has worked so well in so many games, but I think Pittsburgh's probably provided a pretty good roadmap for any team going forward, and it's how much is Venables going to make it where that tape doesn't burn them. You know, What can they change? I, I'm not sure what they can change. Without changing personnel, right. I'm not sure what they can change. Yeah, I don't I don't know what your option is You know, other than Boulware. And the defensive line... I mean, I think I think that was probably one of the best offensive lines that Clemson will face this year, and, and and they got they got handled pretty well. But has the defensive line covered up other issues for this team all year? I mean, probably in some cases, yes. I, I think that, you know we we talked about it before the year when we were talking about some of the question marks maybe in the secondary, and we're saying that one of the big keys is if you bring pressure up front, it, it, it's going to help everybody out when you're putting more heat on the quarterback, then you're not going to put as much heat on your secondary. But they, they really weren't able to do that so much on Saturday. And I, I think that was that was part of a problem, as well as the fact that, you know, they, they didn't get that push up front. And then when James Conner got to the second level, there were numerous occasions where he, you know, there was one where he stiff-armed Dorian O'Daniel. There was one where he ran right through Van Smith. Those guys at the second level were having some trouble tackling James Conner when he got past that D-line. You know, I, I'm working on a column right now about the sense of invincibility and how it's 
it's kind of left Clemson now. Now, from the media's perspective, we haven't probably thought like that, you know, because we've seen these close games and we've said, well, Clemson's always on the brink or, you know, too many games they've almost lost, you know, the NC State game especially. But from a player standpoint in that locker room, they had to feel a sense of invincibility, I think, you know, even because they were winning these close games. And they felt like they would always just find a way to pull it out. Remember after NC State, all the players were like, yeah, we figured we'd win. You know, most of them didn't even say they weren't even paying attention to that field goal. Like it, like they were just going to magically somehow pull it out. With that sense of invincibility gone now, we haven't seen Clemson come off a loss like this. You know, against Alabama, they had the entire offseason to think about it. Do they pick themselves up off the floor? Do you expect a wake-up call, if you will, even though Dabo says that's just like the sexy thing to say? Or is this a team that you really worry about the next two or three weeks? No, I, 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 I would expect them to bounce back. Uh, I, I think that this team, because of the fact that all their goals are still in place, they're still going to be just as motivated as they've ever been. They, they still believe they can make the playoff. They still believe they can win the AC championship. And I, I think that you would expect them to bounce back and finish strong. But the thing is we don't know because we didn't see this. Last year, the only time this team lost was their last game of the year. They didn't play again for nine months. So we haven't seen this team in a position where it has to go from a loss and play again in seven days and bounce back. So I would expect, I think there's enough veteran leadership on this team that they'll take this and they'll move on the right way. And in some sense, I think it could be a good wake-up call that they needed because I think this team hasn't played up to its ability for most of a year. And maybe this is the wake-up call they need. But you never know. You never know how a team's going to respond from a loss like this. And, you know, certainly Dabo's tried to at least sell the fact that, you know, Wake Forest is a tough team. They've played some teams tough. They had a lead on Louisville in the second half last week. So... You know, you never know. You get, they they got to come out. They got to start playing better than they did last week. Certainly better than they played against NC State as well. Brandon, yeah, what do I'm, you think? I mean, I agree with a lot of that. I think it's just we. I think on the defense, they have the leadership where I think they're going to bounce back. On offense, I think it still remains to be seen. And I, I want to see Deshaun bounce back. I want to see him take care of the ball. And I think. I think it is it is an interesting idea of okay yeah they've had we're gonna pull this out we're gonna we're gonna win this game it's close but we're gonna win I, now they've seen that they haven't done that and uh, you know Wake Forest is gonna I think Wake Forest will test them you know I yes and no I mean I think Clemson's weaknesses won't get solved in a week and if they turn the ball over three four times on the road you, any team can lose in that situation however Clemson's played really well on the road this year in these against these kind of middling teams or even a little bit below average teams. I don't know where you want to put Wake in that, but you saw what they did, you know, at, at Boston College. And, um, yeah, they, they really – they played well for three quarters against Georgia Tech. I I just wonder if this is maybe not the game that's going to be telling. You know, like maybe, maybe they just – Clemson doesn't even need their best game to go beat Wake on Saturday is what I'm saying because – one of the things about Wake is they're terrible on third downs, third down conversions. They're like 84th in the country. Clemson's one of the best teams in the country defense-stopping third, third down conversions. Pitt was very bad on third down conversions, 3 for 11 last week. But Pitt was diverse enough to find ways to still score and move the football. I don't think Wake Forest can stay on the field long enough and be diverse and put up enough points in this game. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, I think Pitt – we knew going into the Pitt game that Pitt could score some points, that they, 
you know, they had dynamic offensive weapons. We, we didn't expect them to score 43 points, but, you know, we knew that Pittsburgh had that kind of talent to, to, to challenge them. Wake Forest, I don't really think they do. I don't think they really do have a challenge on the offensive side of the ball. I think their defense will challenge Clemson. Uh, I think that, and especially with what we've already talked about, with Clemson not having that running game, if they can't find it, uh, I think Wake Forest can give Clemson some trouble on defense. And if they can do that, they can keep the game close. But I, I would be surprised to see Wake Forest put up significant points in this game. I, I don't think this will be much of a test for a Clemson defense. And that, for that, I'd say, especially of a defensive side of the ball, I don't know if this is really going to be a test to see what they've got. I think the biggest difference between you know Pitt and Wake Forest is Pitt had the skill position weapons to sort of convert in the red zone. You know, Wake Forest has scored like under – 20 points five times this season. They're in the 120s, 100-and-somethings in scoring offense. So they, they, they would just need a really a slugfest. They need Clemson just to have an awful game to be able to pull it They off. need Clemson to try to run the football and, and not be <laughs> successful at it. I mean, yeah. really, because if Clemson's going to just keep throwing and throwing and throwing, they're going to make enough plays on Wake to beat them handily. But moving forward, um, you know, I know the team doesn't look ahead. We don't care. We have the benefit of looking ahead and it not mattering. Um, South Carolina and then possibly Virginia Tech in the ACC championship game. Any thoughts or concerns you have now that Clemson's lost a game about those two opponents? Not really still. I mean, I still think Clemson should have a significant advantage over all the teams it's going to play in the next three weeks. I mean, South Carolina's been better than it was earlier in the year. They've gotten some life on offense since Jake Bentley took over as quarterback, but they still are not at the level of a Clemson right now. I mean, that would still be a huge upset if South Carolina came into Clemson and won that game. And that's a game, if any, you expect Clemson to be fully motivated and, and not to fall asleep because it's a rivalry game. Both teams are going to be fired up, but you would think Clemson pulls that one off. And then Virginia Tech, uh, they struggled against Georgia Tech last week. They've been a very up-and-down team. If Virginia Tech's at its best it can beat Clemson, but the problem with Virginia Tech is we've seen them in a lot of games recently where they've been so far from their best that I just don't know if they can get up to that level. And I, beat I think Clemson. they play at the level of their competition. They really do. When they've got a Syracuse, they they play like they can lose to a Syracuse. Yeah. But you know they go out and beat North Carolina handily, and and so I don't know. I I think they're kind of a, an up and down team, like you said. But you know one game the way Clemson's played, who knows? Yeah, I mean, they have the skill position players like a pit where they can give Clemson problems. It's just they're, they're so up and down. I mean, how do you lose by two touchdowns at Syracuse? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, the reality of Clemson is they've now lost to a Pittsburgh team that's a middle-of-a-pack ACC team. They should have lost to a middle-of-a-pack NC State team. So we can no longer overlook games and say, oh, Clemson's going to win this one easily because they haven't shown that they can consistently take care of business in a game they should win. So it's very possible they could lose any of those three games. They really shouldn't, but it's still possible. I guess maybe one last thing. We're all in agreement if Clemson wins out, they're in the playoff. Yes, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's just the road. I mean, the weekend, you know, they lose and – you have two top four teams lose with them. I mean, yeah, I'll say this. When the game was over on Saturday, I would not have said yes for sure. But about four hours later, I said, yeah, yeah. they went out there going to get in. Because there's just – you look at where they are now. They're number four in the playoffs. 
Presumably, they went out, they're going to end up at number three. Alabama, I think Alabama could lose to Auburn and still be number one. I, I don't know. Alabama's a virtual lock to make it at this point. The winner of Ohio State, Michigan, barring another loss, is probably going to be number two. Clemson, they win out. They should slide into that number three spot, and I really don't think there's another team that would be a threat to jump them unless they lose. Yeah, and I think that the committee wants Clemson in the two three game. I don't think they want Clemson Alabama for the for a playoff game. Just you know, be a replay of last year type thing. I, I think they'd rather if those te- two teams do meet meet again in the championship. And um, I don't know. You know, I still think the Big Ten is in play to get two teams in this thing. Um, I'm not ready to rule out the Pac-12 completely. I'm not ready to rule out the Big 12 100%. Um, I am going to rule out Louisville because I just I don't see a path for Louisville to get in this thing if, unless Clemson loses to Wake. Yeah, I mean, Louisville could be the this year's Baylor or TCU where they have very much the resume. They probably are one of the four best teams, right. and they just the just things just worked against them. Right. I mean, it still comes down to your resume. It still comes down to – you know who you beat and, and where you where your schedule ranks. All those kind of things matter because we're not talking about the most entertaining four. I mean that's what you know we have to remember. If we're talking about the most entertaining four, I'm putting Louisville in there against Alabama. But I mean Louisville's got like a top fifteen, top ten defense and one of the best offenses in the country. Now it's just their their problem is that they don't have as strong like a strength of record and all that. But I think Louisville will end up having a pretty good resume where it's going to be a hard decision. Yeah, we'll see. It depends on how these conference championships play out and what the league or what the committee decides these league championships mean. So, Dan, do we want to look at some of these games going on this week? Yeah, yeah, we'll take a look. Uh, only two weeks left in our You Pick 'em contest, uh, two weeks left to regular season. So, if you want to get in and have a chance to win a weekly prize, go to independentmail.com slash you pick 'em. Uh, as far as our pool for the year, still. Pretty much anyone's game at this point between the experts. Only six or seven games, excuse me, from first to eighth. So, so William Quackenbush, he would need a lot to go in his favor. But <laughs> Brandon Rink is currently the leader of our pool, so we're we're all gunning for him. Uh, a number of interesting games this week. Uh, it looks like we're all picking Louisville to beat Houston. That, that's that's a game, a Thursday night game. I still think that could be an interesting game, but. We're all picking them there. Oklahoma and West Virginia. Uh, Brandon, you're picking West Virginia. Brad and I are picking Oklahoma. Uh, I feel like Oklahoma's on a roll right now. I feel like they're they're moving toward winning that Big 12. Brandon, what do you see in West Virginia? Yeah, I don't feel that different about them. It's just Oklahoma. It's it's trusting Oklahoma in big games. Like they've they've been on a roll. But now they're going on the road. West Virginia plays pretty good defense. They have some good wins this year, and I think uh, they're going to be able to pull it off. Oklahoma does not need to tease me like this and, and <laughs> try to get into the playoff because that's that was one of my playoff teams I wrote off early. So um, I don't know. I'm kind of in a catch-22 with Oklahoma right now. Brad, Brad and I both picked Oklahoma to make a playoff. So all four of my playoff teams are still alive. I had Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, and Oklahoma. We're, we're not going to go over Brad's picks. He did it. He did have uh, – <laughs> Clemson in there, but we won't we won't go over the other ones. How about Brandon's pick? He had Florida State. Yeah, that's true. That's that. true. Very true. <laughs> we all we all picked Stanford. We all picked Stanford to beat Cal. We all picked Georgia Tech to beat Virginia. We all picked LSU to beat Florida. Uh, quite a few games again this week where we're all picking the same team. But then again, last week there were six games that every single <laughs> one of our eight experts in the pool picked a team to win. And the other team won. So as soon as you think you know exactly what's going to happen, 
if you ever think can happen. So play against us, make some crazy picks, and you might have a chance to beat us. Uh, we're all picking Miami to beat NC State. A few people picking NC State to win. I, I just think Miami's the better football team. But what do you guys think? I mean, ultimately, yeah. Um, NC State, I think, plays well at home. That kind of worries me. But uh, I think Miami's, you know, trying to finish out strong here. They can still put up a decent record. NC State, really, the season just about lost for them. Yeah, I thought about picking NC State. I think they have the offense to do it. Uh, you know, they they do play it well at home. You know, Miami is just you, you don't know. They're kind of up and down, but uh, I th- I think Miami is the better team. Oklahoma State versus TCU. I thought this was probably the toughest game to pick this week. Brad went with Oklahoma State. Brandon and I both went with TCU. I, I kind of wanted to pick one where I wasn't picking the team I thought would be favored. So that's kind of why I went with TCU here. But TCU looked pretty good in their last game. Oklahoma State survived a couple close calls. I don't know how many more of those they can continue to win, but I could see this one going either way. Yeah, I went with Oklahoma State because I've been on the Cowboys earlier this year, and then I kind of jumped off a little bit, and I'm I'm back on them. I, I, I just think they're going to score too many points for TCU. Northwestern and Minnesota, that could be another interesting game. I, I can't pretend to be an expert on <laughs> either of those teams, to be honest, but I went with Northwestern. You guys both went with Minnesota. It's a coin flip. Uh, I, I can't really break down Minnesota Gophers football. I, Minnesota's good at home. Um, I, I think they've got a little bit better offense than Northwestern, too. A little underrated offense. Uh, Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. We're all, we're all picking Virginia Tech to win that one. Uh, I haven't been a believer in Notre Dame since about second or third week of a year, so that's why I'm going to Virginia Tech. But like we talked about, Virginia Tech kind of plays to the level of their competition, so you never know in that one. Yeah, um, I I really didn't give Notre Dame much of a shot in this game. I probably should have given them more of a chance than I did because, like I said, Virginia Tech plays in the other competition, and Notre Dame is not a lot of competition right now. We got a chance of light snow showers. Ooh, that'd be fun. Uh, Washington State, Colorado. Brad and I are both picking Washington State. Brad has Washington State winning twenty-four to twenty. I have Washington State winning thirty-five to twenty-four. You know, Washington State's a really hot team right now. Uh, they've, they've, they've won eight games in a row. Uh, they just seem to have things clicking for them. Uh, Colorado, they, they're another team that's, you know, outperformed expectations this year, played really well. Brandon, you've got Colorado winning 31-28. Yeah, it's the toughest game to pick. They're, they're both two really sneaky good teams. They're both, they have uh, good numbers on offense and defense. I ended up picking Colorado because they're the home team and they have the better kicker. I think it, it could go. I think it's a game that's just going to be that close, where just uh, just the slightest thing could affect the outcome. Big implications of that game as well as the winner of that game will very much still be alive in the Pac-12 race. Uh, we didn't have Clemson versus Wake Forest on here, but I think we're all in agreement that Clemson should win. We'll see if that ultimately happens, but I think we're we would all pick them if it was here in our pool. Uh, So we want to thank you all for joining us once again here on the Orange and White podcast. Uh, Lots of good stuff coming up on orangeandwhite.com, so uh, be sure to follow us there and on Twitter at Orange and White. Uh, Full coverage coming up of Clemson's game at Wake Forest next week. And then next week, Clemson will be playing South Carolina, their annual rivalry game. So we'll talk to you again then.